Hello and welcome to another edition of The Hooligan Report. I'm your host as always, SM, and with me this evening I have Cruyff. Good evening. And I also have Friar Tuck. Good evening. Second round down, dusted, and we're getting quite far... Well, we're getting into the season now. Yeah, good to have a win under the belt. Yeah, well, got a win, finally, yeah. And uh, Arsenal got a loss, as we sort of predicted last week. Um, But we're sort of starting to see... Thanks. (laughs) No worries. We're starting to see some of the cream rising to the top, as to to borrow the phrase of um, a well-known poster from the board. And um, I guess we'll start with said cream, which was United, who managed another 4-0 win to go with their 4-0 win last week against West Ham. Uh, In pretty impressive fashion in the end against Swansea. I mean, they sort of made a bit of a hash of it for about 80 minutes. Um, but then really towards the end, turned the game on its head and, and with three goals in about five minutes or so. Um, I'll start with you, Cruyff. Um, obviously, they they looked a bit scrappy in the first half and Baye got that goal right on half-time to really kind of get them going. But it was really the introduction of Martial off the bench towards the end of the game that, that sort of turned the game on its head, didn't it? I mean, yeah, when you, when you can bring a player like that uh, into the game off the bench... Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's great depth from United. And, and I mean, they just switched it on. It's like they just flicked the switch and boom, it, it was, it was four nil. You blinked your eyes and it was four nil. Um, I think they're really going to go to town, uh, on quite a few teams, which we've seen already. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a few f- more, few more four or five nil sort of victories for them with, with the way they're playing and that their, their firepower up front and, and the stability in their midfield. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, if we saw more results like that from those guys, because they they are just they scintillating to watch at the moment when when they are when when they all click. Well, it's been 110 years since they started with uh, this many goals in their opening two games. Uh, 1907, I think, was the last time they scored eight goals in their first two games. It's a scary prospect, and Friar Tuck will talk about their upcoming match against you guys in a little bit. But um, I, from what you saw of them against Swansea. Um, what have you made of their start to the season, of their depth, and, and their sort of their title credentials? I suppose. Well, well I did. I did note early in the uh, first podcast that, that well, what what Joe, what Mourinho is building there is a it's a pretty good team. It's starting to click. You're starting to see his. You're starting to see his influence on on the team, and uh, well, the res- recent results have really um, shown themselves, and. Uh, well, they've proved it's no fluke. They're delivering delivering results against well teams they really should be beating, and they've done it in such style. They they look really formidable, and well, as Kraft said, it's they look they're a really solid team on paper, and they could and they could be giving up the belt in left, right, and centre to, to these smaller teams. And uh, yeah, they look they really look really good, and it's going to be a tough prospect for us next for the for this for the upcoming game. Uh, it, I think it's going to. I think. Well, sorry, sorry, my. That's all right. The big um, challenge for them is. Sorry, the big challenge for them is: can they do it against the bigger teams as yeah. well? It's going to. That's what I want. If they can prove themselves against the big boys, I'd say they will be the one to beat. But certainly not. Oh, give them the title already. You. I mean, it's way too early for that. But 
they look good at this point in time. I mean, it's an interesting point you make because, of course, Lukaku has a bit of a reputation of being able to beat up on those smaller clubs. So, in a sense, that the fact that they've done well against West Ham and Swansea doesn't mean a whole lot because, as you say, we'll need to see how they go against the bigger clubs. And, I mean, I'm not putting Leicester in the same bracket as a Liverpool or a Chelsea, but, of course, this week will be probably their, their toughest game of the season so far. And, of course, we'll talk about that in a bit in more detail. But in terms of seeing how Lukaku goes for them in the bigger games, I think that'll be their biggest test. Um, the, the, the really interesting thing for me, and I suppose to an extent it's because I've got him in my fantasy team, but paying a lot more attention to Pogba this season, and um, I'm sure United supporters would tell me that he's done this last season as well, but he just looks such a physical beast, and I don't know if you guys saw in the first half alone a few instances where he gets into the box or, you know, he's on the ball and he can just hold his man off and really strongly retain possession and really set up those attacking runs for Lukaku. It's incredible. I, th- I, th- I think Matic coming in has definitely helped. Absolutely. And, and, and a bit more, um, I guess the system's a, a bit more fluid now. Uh, you, c- you can see it, it's they don't look so rigid when they go forward. They're not wasting chances. Um, and, and Pogba's been given that freedom, and he's starting to look like that £90 million footballer that Man United bought last season. Absolutely, and I suppose the team that let Matic go is a team that we should talk about next in Chelsea, um, who, who we were sort of previewing this game last week as a, a clash of the two, ty- two teams that are penny-pinching a bit, so to speak, uh, haven't really spent a whole lot in the transfer window, and I think today Spurs are set to announce the signing of a couple of players, so at least they'll be off the mark in that sense. Um, but, I mean, we're not any clearer in understanding whether there are these Wembley hoodoo issues for Spurs or not. Um, Friar Tuck, result for Chelsea was a good one. For Spurs, it's a pretty poor one, really, to lose at home to Chelsea. Um, when they had such a good record in London derbies, especially last season at home. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think if I recall correctly, they went undefeated at home for about fifteen months or something like that. It was it was an it was an incredible run, and well, well, I mean, I, they put a decent they put a decent performance in, but uh, I mean, the Chelsea team we've seen it looks a bit lacking at the moment, so. You would have thought this would have been a good chance to get a win, a win, a win on the board against their rivals and set themselves off, but yeah, they they were left lacking there. So, Cruyff, yeah, speaking of Kane, I mean, obviously saw the stat during the week, but Batshuayi has now scored more goals in August for Spurs than Kane has. Um, is Kane's form of any concern, do you reckon? He, he hasn't scored in any game for Spurs in August so far. I mean, he started slow last year, I think, and he wound up with the golden boot. So uh, I don't think Spurs fans should be too concerned at the moment. Um, I, I, I can't see him maintaining uh, his poor form for the season. I mean, if if he still hasn't scored by the end of September or mid-October, then uh, I think question marks should be above his head. But as, as I said, last season he started poorly and, and, and look how he finished it. So... Um, I, I don't think there's too much cause for concern at the moment. Uh, and then I guess from the Chelsea point of view, good result for them, Friar Tuck, and obviously great result for Alonso, who, who's been in pretty ridiculous form for a defender and another peach of a free kick from him. Um, it's kind of hard to get a read on Chelsea at the moment, losing at home to Burnley, but then going away from home and beating Spurs. Yeah, a bit, incons- bit, bit, bit inconsistent. Um, as as we know, they 
like as 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 we've noted, they're lacking a bit of depth. But uh, so, did you say Chelsea or Tottenham were getting more? Uh, were getting players in? I think you said Spurs were. Spurs, right? I think, are announcing a couple of players today, from what I saw. Um, not sure about Chelsea. I know that they've sort of been, they, funnily enough, being linked to Vardy. So, what have you made of that? I heard. I heard that one. Seems like they just want the whole. They want the whole fifteen, sixteen <laughs> team by the sounds of it. Mares, drink water, now Vardy. Already got Kante. Oh, so getting the old gang back together. Yeah, playing for another blue team down south. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think anything is going to come from the Vardy one. I think if any of them were going to come, were likely to come true, probably would be the drink water one. But I've talked to Chef Chef about this. Chelsea's going to have to pay the full forty. We're not going to. We're not going to be selling him for anything less. And do you? Do, well, I mean, do you I, think if? Do you, sorry to cut you off. Do you think if he sold, it's a big blow? Well, to be honest, it's if this if it was last year, yes. But uh, we've actually got some decent uh, replacements in some decent centre midfielders in like Ibora and. Uh, well, a rejuvenated Matty James, and Matty James looks really solid at this point in time. Drinkwater's been a bit out of form for the better part of half a season, but it'll be a blow, but not as much as it would have been had had this happened last year, honestly. Um, well, two teams that have been spending pretty heavily in the off-season in comparison to Chelsea and Spurs is Everton and Man City, who faced up in the uh, the Monday night game or Tuesday morning our time. Uh, in a, I mean, it, it, there wasn't a whole lot to take out of a 1-1 draw, sort of spoiled by two red cards. And to be honest, I'm still a bit shaken up, having seen Kyle Walker's vicious attack on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I'm surprised <laughs> that he was actually able to get back to his feet from that heavy blow that he suffered to his head. Um, but Croy, <laughs> what did you what did you make of the result? I suppose, and I mean, it's a bit concerning that City still seem to struggle to kind of click into gear. They didn't look too convincing against Brighton in the first round either. I caught a bit of uh, that game before work uh, yesterday, but um, I think I read on, on the board that Everton played with seven defensive players. Um, given all the City's firepower, though, to when, when the opposing manager is so negative, it's hard to break down and find the back of the net. You do need luck sometimes, and um, I, I, I don't think City should be too concerned. But um, I mean, the going down to ten men obviously played played a big part. And, and if maybe if they had eleven on the pitch, they they would have pressed pressed harder and and, and come away with three points. But um, it's a shame that a horrible refereeing decision. Uh, ruined the game essentially for City and, and they couldn't get something out of it. I mean, it was interesting to an extent because I know, uh, as, as you say that though, the, the, it was weird that Everton sort of sat back after the red card and invited them on. And I know it would have it was still quite difficult for them with the 10 men to really capitalise on it, but obviously Sterling able to get the equaliser late on. Um, Friar Tuck, do you think... I mean, one of the criticisms leveled of the City squad, I suppose, is how unbalanced it is, where they've got so many attacking options that they had to start Sané at left wing-back because they didn't have many capable uh, full-backs, given the fact that, A, Kyle Walker got himself sent off, Mendy's still injured. They just seem to be focusing on, at the wrong, on the wrong end of the pitch at the moment. Hmm, it's a bit of... They do, they do, they do look a bit balanced in all honesty. But uh, I kind of felt like they should have taken. Well, 
I mean, I know they went down to 10 men, and they did pretty well to get the point even then, but, yeah, it does. They do look a little bit unbalanced. I don't... I don't know what more is left for them for the trans for the transfer window, but well, if I all reports are uh, going after Sanchez, Sanchez, oh, he'll be he'll be a good he'll be a he'll be a good addition he'll be a good addition for them that's for sure. But I don't know they have the they have the right makings there. I mean they got I mean they got Carl Walk. I mean okay, I'll admit he's a bit overpriced, but. Un, un harsh red card. Honest, honest, honestly, I'm not entirely sure what to make of them. They've got the makings there, but yeah, as you said, the imbalance and it just feels like there's something missing about them. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, uh, when they won the title under um, um, Mancini, Mancini, when they had they had such a great core of that squad, he brought in players like Aguero, Silva, Toure. They had company. They had, they had this team. Zabaleta. Uh, they just felt like they actually had this core of a great team. Hart was in good form as well. They had this and Jacko up top as well. Whereas now it just feels like they've got all of these players who don't really seem to be able to click and really work as a team together. And it feels like they've thrown a whole lot of money at the wall, hoping some of it sticks, but. I just feel like, I mean, if they don't, if, if they look like they're not going to win a trophy this season, then what do they do with Guardiola? Do they just sort of stick with him because they they don't dare sack such a big name? But uh, Dep- just... depends. Like, what, what if what if they walked away with the FA Cup? Does that? Oh, well, sorry, that yeah, but that's what I mean. As in, if they look mind? like not winning any trophies. I mean, I think the problem with Pep is he obviously he, his philosophy worked at Barcelona which was great I mean we saw that the Barca team I think one season won seven trophies but um, I think in England particularly he needs to start playing his players in position you can't be playing your defensive midfielders on the right wing or your centre backs at centre midfield if he buys players they should be played in their position and as, as he should have a system that suits um, yeah, the players he's brought in. That's it. I mean, it does. It just feels like he's, he's he's not flexible and, enough. We and had the discussion think, last season. What, you would think once he has all of that and the players will click, they could beat anyone because yeah. it's City don't have poor players. I mean, you got you got oh, Sane, no. Sterling, Aguero, Silva, KDB. Um, the the back fours it needs a bit of work, but it's getting better. So it's not like they have they don't have the players to succeed. No, it's just, absolutely. It's just the, the fact philosophy- that they don't seem to be able to click. Yeah, and if if that becomes good, then we might be saying something different in a few months. But it's it's all up in the air at the moment. But you do see shades of potential there, but there's still some things where you think, oh, "What are they doing here?" But um, I guess it's it's up for us to see. Well, one team that does seem to be clicking at the moment uh, is Huddersfield Town, uh, as a, the one lone representation of Yorkshire in the Premier League is. Fry Tucker's noted in the past, but of course making headlines because of their Australian player in Aaron Moy doing so well with that incredible goal against uh, Newcastle on Sunday night to get them the win. One of only three undefeated and uh, teams that have only won their games so far, sitting up top with six points. Uh, a pretty impressive start for them, Fry Tuck, and, and you know, long may it continue. Oh, indeed. And to think that everyone was saying this is the lot that's going to be competing with Derby for the worst team in the Premier League. That was Those were the comments prior to the season. I mean, being one of the, I think one of, 
a team that had a negative goal difference when they got promoted through the uh, the playoffs, and it looked like they didn't. Do, it looked like they had a huge mountain to climb for them. But no, fair credit to them. They're showing shades of what made them so competitive in the championship. Actually, pushing for that title, they've made some good. They've made some good. Uh, they've made some good transfers. They got. They got. They got Moy on a permanent, and uh, yeah, they're riding off that new that new promoted energy. And uh, well, two from two so far. And if they can keep it up, they'll give themselves a nice base. Kind of reminds me of another Yorkshire team that Scott that went up for the first time and uh, performed pretty pretty well. I think. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Oh, we did alright. We did did alright that first season, didn't we? We um, what were we? I think we were equal top in October. Well, I think we're sitting third, but equal top, um, just down on goal difference. But uh, it's an incredible ride to go on. And I think it was Bostonian who was sort of lamenting in the off season, and unfortunately, his side hasn't had the same sort of start as Huddersfield have managed. But as a promoted club, all you can do is sort of just get caught up in that wave of excitement and, and just enjoy the journey. Because if you don't enjoy the journey, before too long, you're, you're facing relegation, you're back in the championship, and it's all back to the slog of trying to win and get promoted again. So you've kind of got to enjoy it while it's good. Otherwise, you know, what, what's there to look forward to in football? Cruyff, what did you make of the exactly. uh, result? I, I think I'm um, a great result, and it's good to see Moy dominating and, and making headlines and... and getting uh, a, a reputation in England as opposed to just here in Australia. And you think if, if Huddersfield do get relegated, he might be picked up by sort of maybe a Southampton-level club or, or something like that. But I think with Huddersfield, they've got these six points, which will be vital for them because we've seen so often that these these newly promoted clubs come in and, and do well, but then they, they fall off come Christmas yeah. time and then they're in a relegation scrap. So anything Huddersfield can take... Right now, they'll obviously they obviously will take, but it's going to be key for them, um, I think, to take as much as they can early on while they're on this. They've got the momentum. They're they're riding the wave of success, and 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 everything. The the vibe there is all high, and and everyone's happy because so quickly it could just turn like that, and then you, you they could lose three on the trot. Um, talk. There could be talk of Wagner um, leaving or whatever, and. They just need to keep maintaining it for as long as they can because um, I'm sure you guys both know that things can get very tough in the Premier League when things don't go your way. And, I mean, they've got some fantastic fixtures to start the season. In, in the next few weeks, they've got teams like Southampton at home, West Ham, who are in all sorts at the moment. They've got Burnley, they've got Swansea, they've got West Brom at home. So in their first 12 games, if they can manage to get, you know, 20 points on the board, then they're, you know already halfway well to on safety. the way, halfway to safety in the first third of the season um, would be an incredible result for them. And, and and really, to get 12 points, they're only needing another six points. So they only need another two wins out of their next uh, nine games or something. It's eminently achievable. But as you say, Croyfi, I mean, it is a hallmark of these promoter clubs, as I well know last season, as another club that managed to win their first two games after promotion, that it can all turn quite quickly and, and you've really just got to make the most of it while you can. Yeah, definitely. And and if Huddersfield do uh, stay up, it would be obviously great for them. But a lot of these, again, promoted clubs, these sort of lower reputation ones, they suffer from second season syndrome. They'll have a, a cracking first season. Everyone will be talking about them. Everyone will like them. And then the second season will come along and they'll be struggling for wins and struggling to find the back of the net. They'll be leaking goals. So it'll be interesting to see what path 
Huddersfield take. And I think many Australians do have a soft spot for them because of Moy. So um, I don't think anyone would begrudge them uh, of staying up. Well, one team that certainly didn't have any issues with second season syndrome uh, and actually had a pretty cracking second season after promotion for attack was Leicester, and they come up against United this weekend in a probably game of the round, really, looking at the form of um, United at the moment and, and also Leicester sort of looking pretty convincing in their first two games as well. Um, especially judging by their first game against Arsenal, it looks like there's going to be a fair few goals in this one, but what do you make of this game to start with, Friatak? Well, this is going to be this is going to be a big test, that's for sure. I mean, this is for both clubs really. United, United to see if they can do it against us to see if they can keep up their form, especially with a more well, I don't want to say, but a little bit more, a bit bit more of a formidable club, and for us to see if we can actually well get a result against United. I mean, United Leicester games ever since we've come back up have usually been pretty exciting. For for one for what reason for an or another to be honest, but uh, yeah, for, for for United fans, I'll let you know that we're most likely going to see Robert Huth return for this game with uh, Wes Morgan's uh, back problems. Uh, b- between us, Leicester fans, um, we kind of feel that we kind of feel that Huth will actually complement the uh, well, your old boy Maguire pretty pretty darn well, and will provide us some good attacking options on the right side as well. So. You got Fuchs on the left. You got Maguire, who's most likely going to be on the on the right side of Schmeichel, providing well, providing that option on the right. So you've got a more formidable backline. Just curious on Maguire. When you signed him, was the intention that he was going to be that sort of third choice depth centre back, or was the intention always that he'd be sort of starting eleven? Because I got the impression that he was more going to be coming in as the season progressed to replace Morgan as he got a bit older, or Huth if one of them picked up an injury. And obviously Morgan being injured in pre-season meant that Maguire got his chance. But he now, almost from the sounds of things, is is a first-choice centre-back for you. I think you probably would be spot on the money because, well, you know, they're all of our all of our all of our centre backs are in their are in their well are in their mid thirties now and. Uh, well, you've got to start thinking about replacing them. And uh, with uh, Maguire, he offered us another option because he's a ball playing. He's a ball playing centre back. And uh, I was talking to Moomba about comparing him to John Stone. So he offered us another option in regards that he could actually play the ball rather than, well, you know, hoofing it to Vardy and going <laughs> from there. So, so, so he, he is, offered he us is quite option. good with his long balls. Yes, he has. He has proven <laughs> himself to be quite useful there as well, but. No, he was meant to be an event, a, a a transitional replacement as the season went by. But as you said, he got his start a bit earlier, and now we love him. We can't. We, there's no. He's, he's first. He's basically first. Well, we'll say we'll say second name on the sheet after Vardy. Basically, we us Leicester fans absolutely love him. Yeah, we, it, we, we, we can't, yeah, we kind of wish we had a, another centre-back to go with him. Another younger centre-back, that is. Yeah, he, he quickly endeared himself to Hull fans, even when he wasn't a regular name on our starting sheet, just because of the way, first of all, that he throws himself into tackles, and also the fact that he's so good on the ball. When I saw a, I saw an article from a Leicester blog, I think, where they were talking about the fact that he doesn't look... He does look overweight, but he looks very meaty. And despite that, he's actually quite agile on the ball, and his his footwork with the ball at feet is actually quite amazingly good considering his size. So he's, he's in that sense, he's he's great to watch when he can sort of pass by attacking players 
um, when you would expect him to sort of get the ball caught under his feet or something. Yeah, that's that's one thing we noted. He did. He, he is a bit of a chunky monkey, that fella. But <laughs> boy, he, boy, he knows how, he boy he knows how to play. And well, when we saw against Brighton, he also he he also dominates in the air. I mean, I know it's Brighton, but he's got all he's got he's he's got all the whole he's got like all the hallmarks of a well of what we're used to at Leicester, the big burly uh, centre back dominating dominating his space and being a being a presence being a presence when required and. You combine a bit of Christian Fuchs into that, and uh, well, we you got someone that doesn't get shoved off the ball, knows how to cre- knows how to create those chances. So it's all pre- it's all pretty darn exciting with him, to be honest. Um, and Crowe, I mean, we've talked about Leicester there, but also we've touched on United earlier in our discussion of the Swansea game. But big test for United in this one, I guess, uh, in terms of being, I guess, I guess their biggest test of the season so far. Um, how do you make what do you make of United's chances in this one? Do you see them sort of carrying on with their great form to start the season, or do you see this as perhaps being um, a game where I mean Leicester have had their measure in recent seasons in, in matchups between the two sides, so it could be quite an interesting one. Um, so it's at uh, the King Power, so I think that gives Leicester uh, a little Old bit. Trafford, actually, it's Old Trafford. Um, yeah, then I can't see Leicester walking away with three points. Uh, I think United at home will pulverize them. Uh, pulverize. I, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I think Maguire will be in for a big test. It'll be interesting to see how he handles Lukaku, who's not exactly a small a small guy. He's six foot three, weighs probably a hundred kegs. So it's going to be interesting to see how he handles someone with the brute force. And then you've got the trickery of um, the wingers, the speed of Rashford, uh, McKitry and Mata's creativity. Pogba and Matic in midfield, it, it could it could be ugly for Leicester, but um, with the way they've been playing, though, uh, it wouldn't surprise you, on the other hand, that they do take something away. But um, I, I think it would be foolish not to say United would be favourite. But yeah. Leicester are capable of an upset when you look at the history between the two clubs and, and, and recent games. But uh, with the way United's been going, it's too, it's too hard to look past them. I do tend to agree, and I, I think it'll be a relatively high-scoring game, so I wouldn't be surprised to see United maybe winning at 3-2 or 4-3 or something like that. Um, I, do, I do tend to agree that United will probably win it, but it wouldn't surprise me either to see a high-scoring draw. Um, Friartuck, what are you thinking score-wise? Oh, jeez. It's got... It, I, think it's going, I think it's going to be... Uh, actually, that's a good one, because... Why is relatively untested? Is relatively untested somewhat, especially with the with the new season. I think they'll get along pretty well, but I don't think we'll see their defensive cohesiveness until maybe a game or two later. I think Vardy, 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 Mares and Vardy, Mares and Okazaki. Surprisingly, he looks like a different striker this season. They're going to cause. They're going to give United a test at the back. I'd say. It's going. It's going to. It's going to be. It's going to be. It's. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be net to net action. In all. In all honesty, um, I'd say I want to back. I want to back us. United are rightly favourites. They've proven themselves pretty well. But I remember the last time United went into a went went into a Leicester game after winning four 0 We all know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> well, another high-scoring game that we might have to look forward to is uh, United against Liverpool with both sorry Arsenal against Liverpool, I should say, 
With um, Gee, two games, two, two, two games in the weekend, we'll be week. busy for United. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal against Liverpool, um, with both defenses not looking in too great a form. Um, Cruyff, what are you making of Arsenal so far this season? Obviously, c- contrasting results with the win against Leicester and then the loss against Stoke. Um, coming up against Liverpool, who, uh, you know, they had their 3-3 draw with Watford, which wasn't too great, and they had a 1-0 win against Palace, which wasn't too great. So um, it, it seems a quite open game where either side could really walk away with the points in this one. I think being at Anfield favours Liverpool heavily. Because uh, Shelney's back, apparently, which is a huge in for us. Um, we definitely need um, some leadership and a and, and natural playing centre-back uh, in our lineup, playing at centre back, um, I think Mane will run will run riot. Uh, I think Firmino will have a bit of fun too. But I mean, Zidane on the board made a point that there's no Lalana or Coutinho to feed them. I don't think that will make much of a difference. Liverpool have um, beaten us most of the time in in recent years, and I think that will continue. Uh, I I don't think we have uh, the right squad players to really. Um, progress this season and we, we should have done a lot more in the market and it's it's disappointing to see that I mean we've brought in Kolasinac uh, which is which is good but uh, we should have brought in another centre back we should have brought in some more depth we needed a right wing it would have been great if we could land Mares. Um we, we should have oh. we should have brought a proper a proper defensive midfielder to play beside Shaka and we could have more naturally um, positioned players in our team but it's Wenger, and you, you never know what he's going to bring up. So uh, I, I think Liverpool will beat us, and I think they'll beat us comfortably. Friotark, how do you see this one panning out? It's a bit of a weird one, because when I saw, when I saw the pre-season, Liverpool looked really darn good, but then come season proper, I mean, we saw that we were having the live scores, and we were laughing at Liverpool. It's like, oh, Watford ahead, and... Yeah, that uh, they looked. Uh, I mean, well, that shows that you well shows that you can't take everything from the uh, preseason. Arsenal, Arsenal. Well, as Cruyff summed it up pretty nicely there. But uh, usually, usually any other usually any other week, this is this would be the match it around. But it, it doesn't it doesn't feel the same this time around because both sides don't exactly look stellar. At this time, um, Croft, what, what are you making of a score prediction for this one? Um, High-scoring draw, perhaps. I think that's sort of, I mean, that's where my mind's heading. Is is it tends to be these sorts of high-scoring matches between the two, and perhaps a two-two or a three-three draws in store. I think three-one Liverpool. Oh, a bit negative there, um, Frotuck. What do you think? I mean, ne- ne- negative or realistic. So ne- yeah. negative or realistic. So I mean, yeah, it's sorry to cut you off again, FT, no, but. Um, I, right. I just I don't really have that much confidence in us getting a result. I mean, Liverpool are a bit shaky at the back, but I mean, we look so rigid going forward, and it doesn't. You've got Lacazette who knows where the net is, but when he's not getting proper service, it's hard to get him to find the net. So it is a bit of a an iffy one for me. But yeah, I just think I think it'll be Liverpool. And Freitag, what do you reckon about a score for this one? I'll be kind and I'll say it'll be a 2-2 draw. <laughs> I think as, as Arsenal have proven that they can, when they can, when they do get it, they do take their chances. So, uh, as we saw against, as we saw against uh, 
against well against us, of course. So <laughs> I wouldn't back him. I wouldn't back him out entirely. I'd say two two is what the score will be. Well, hopefully, it, uh, hopefully it goes to way of Croy's team for that one. Uh, it, we all like a, a good <laughs> Liverpool melt on the board. Um, <laughs> but, but thank you for coming on, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Hopefully until next week when we catch up again, your team has got the win. But until then, we'll see you on the board.